I want you to stop and think right now. Who are the church freeloaders in your life right now? These are people who are a burden to those around them because they're constantly scheming and scamming, whether it be in the local church or in our Christian community, because they're taking advantage of people. How are we to deal with these kind of people? Well, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about on today's podcast. So turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and let's get into it. Well, hey there, my friends. Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Jimenez with you, as always. Blessed to be with you guys as we study the Bible here in chronological order, verse by verse. We just spend this time together to just grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So I pray that as you're listening to this podcast, that whatever's going on in your life, that you're learning to trust the Lord because He is good. He is faithful. And as we spend this time together in God's word in 2 Thessalonians, I pray it is a blessing to you for various reasons, but mainly because of the topic at hand is how to deal with freeloaders. Now, I got to say that in my years as a pastor for 25 years, there are many people that I've encountered. And the Bible, we'll see in a minute, uh, refers to many of these people as people who walk in idleness. So we'll unpack that. But in essence, these are people who are a burden, okay? And we have many pastors who listen to the podcast, and you know what I mean. I know immediately right now you're, you're thinking of that particular family or that husband or that deacon or even that elder. You're trying to find ways for them to roll off the elder board, and I get it. I mean, that's reality. We are, we are fallen people saved by grace, and let's be honest, we all have a certain level of patience, and our love is not unconditional. We are to love our enemies. We are to be patient. We are to show honor. We are to outdo one another with hospitality. And God knows I try, and I'm sure you do as well. And when I say try, not in my own vein, in my own flesh, but try to depend on the Holy Spirit and rely on him and submit to the work of the Holy Spirit. And I love this because as we've been exploring here in Second Thessalonians, I love the fact that Paul addresses this. Because if you go back in context, remember, he's thanking God for the encouragement that he has seen in verses 3 through 12 in the persecution that they faced. And he was praying for them. And he says that God will make you worthy of his calling, right? That you would work out the faith by his power, okay? So we can't neglect that because as we went into chapter 2, and, you know, Paul's dealing with correction concerning the day of the Lord, so he's making sure that they have right understanding, they have proper doctrine of the word of God and also addressing some of the concern when it comes to apostasy. And then of course he addresses that powerful passage that many people get confused. We're dealing with in chapter two and verses five uh, through nine and really looking at who this restrainer is and who the antichrist is. And we talked about the activity of Satan that will come in the, in the end times. And that was a great concern, and it still is today. There are many people. We get people who submit questions here on the podcast asking about the Antichrist, asking about end-time prophecy. And we need to make sure that we are uh, properly interpreting Scripture uh, the way that the Holy Spirit has intended us to understand it. And we know in verses 10 through 12, as we talked about, that a strong delusion will come upon this world. And so these are things that we need to prep and be ready for, uh, not, in it, not with anxiety or with great worry, but we anticipate it. But we also 
now see as we, where we left things off in, in um, verses one through five of last podcast in podcast two thirteen, we saw that there is an evil one and his name is Satan and he comes to kill, still and destroy. And he causes this, uh, you know, deception among not just people in the world, but people even in the church. And as we left things off there and how we are to guard ourselves against the evil one, this is why it's appropriate in context of scripture is where Paul then deals with people specifically who are freeloaders, people who take advantage of the system, who take advantage of other Christians. Okay. And, and, and that's what I'm saying right now, no matter where you find yourself at right now, what you're dealing with in your life, if you have freeloaders in your life, it's not pleasant. It's not. And I want to address this on the podcast as we come to this passage. And again, when we teach verse by verse, these subjects will come up. And Paul's, he's dealing with these subject matters. That's why I go back to chapter one, because you kind of see, even though as it ebb and flows, you see the continuity. You see the cohesiveness. You see how things are connected as he's pushing things through in this particular narrative and covering ground because of all these concerns that the early church is having in Macedonia. Remember, he was writing to the church of the Thessalonians in God, our father, right? And so when he says grace to you and peace from God, when you and I are extending God's peace in the lives of people, you can't overlook, neglect, or ignore the fact that a lot of times we don't have peace. Yes, we have peace in Christ, but sometimes it gets sidetracked. You know, we get sidetracked from that, or even we sidestep that, or we may not be experiencing it because of the pain that we are experiencing with an individual or maybe perhaps a group of people. And this is why Paul is addressing this because he wants to teach us how we are to deal with church freeloaders. So if you have a Bible handy, I ask you to turn to second Thessalonians chapter three. And as where we left off, when we talked about making sure that you are guarding yourself against the evil one, this is still connected to that. Okay, so where Paul left off in verse five, it says, may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Notice what he says now here in verse six. He says, now we command you brothers in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. Let me just pause, okay? And we have to connect the dots here. When we're talking about a real enemy, Satan, and we are not fooled by his tactics, we know what his schemes are. And notice, if you go back to verse two, it says that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not all have faith. My friends, this is going to be connected to here in verse six, what I just said, where this is a command coming from Paul, the apostle. This is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not his opinion. He is saying you need to keep away from any brother who's walking in idleness. So he talked about perverse people and wicked people and a real Satan who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And now he's going to get into specifics that you also have to keep away because part of the attack of the enemy, part of the perversity and the wickedness that comes is going to come from people who are walking in idleness. And notice, not in accord with the traditions that you have received from us. 
So we'll unpack that in a minute. But I want to I, I want to make a point there because I don't want us to just sometimes when we focus on Satan and it's like, well, I don't see any demon demon activity. And and a lot of times we we you know it kind of like Hollywood eyes at the whole thing and thinking that it's got to be some kind of really uh, exorcist type quality that we need to be aware of when in fact, oftentimes Satan is moving around. He's using people who are idle, people who are not uh, walking in step with the traditions that are spoken by the apostles and their, their, their foundational truths that we have in scripture. So when we're talking about church freeloaders, I'm telling you, my friends, a lot of these people are actually there by the hands of Satan. Okay. And we need to take this a lot more serious because we have a major problem in our, in our churches today among Christians within Christian community where there's not boundaries. There's not proper discernment. There isn't proper rebuking of people who are uh, perverse or walking idle, uh, who are not following the traditions of, 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 of God. And we, we tend to either make excuses or we don't think it's as harmful or we're thinking we just got to turn the other cheek or we got to love thy neighbor. And if I'm not in their life, then who, who will be, that will be teaching them, uh, you know, the truth of Jesus and on and on we go. And before we know it, these idle people are ruining our lives. They're destroying fellowship because they're freeloaders. They will scheme and scam. As I said in the, in the opening, they are a burden and we have to be discerning. We have to set proper biblical boundaries in, in my line of work, especially when I was counseling a lot of people, and even when I sit after a speaking at a conference or doing, you know, speaking on my book or some, wherever it is, inevitably I will be sitting there at a table uh, or standing in a hallway uh, with a couple, with an individual who are telling me about a, a church freeloader in their life. And I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with pastors who describe these people in their life, in their church that are just causing havoc and there's no church discipline because in their mind, grace is accepting them and turning the other cheek and not confronting them with their sin. Well, we're going to look at scripture today and how we are to deal with these people because I think more of us need to confront them and they can even be people in your, in your own personal life, okay? In your own personal life, in your family as well. Just because their blood, just because you share their last name, doesn't mean that you just accept their behaviors that are sinful, that are harmful and hurtful, okay? So notice now, he says here in verse seven, for you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you. So we'll unpack that where one thing that we can do to help us through people who are church freeloaders is look to people who have imitated us, Christ, who are a good example, and then use that to contrast the people that are not. He says, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate for even when we were with you we would give you this command if anyone is not willing to work let him not eat for we hear that some among you walk in idleness not busy at work but busy bodies now such persons must command and encourage in the lord jesus christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living 
As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. And then he says in the end here in verse 17, I, Paul, write these, uh, write this greeting with you, uh, to you with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Okay, so there's a lot here that we're gonna be looking at, but I'm gonna, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna spend time looking at verses six through 12. And then where it says, as for you brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. We're gonna probably pause and do kind of a part two and pick things up. And that's so important too, because I counsel with a lot of people in ministry who become discouraged, even Christians in general, in Christian community, they, they went to serve and it was a disaster. And, and so we'll talk about in the first end here of this podcast in, in podcast 214, how to deal with freeloaders. And then uh, part two in podcast 215, we'll talk about how we're not to grow weary while doing good because I've been there, my friends, I've gone through depression uh, loneliness. Um, there's been a lot that I have faced in ministry. And a lot of times when I was discouraged and let down and feeling defeated and feel like quitting, it was because I was doing it in my own flesh. I was seeking the pleasure of man. Like, you know, what does man think of me rather than looking to Christ? So let's look at verse six. Now, if you go back to the beginning here and Paul mentions these people who are walking in idleness. Now, remember in Paul's first letter, if you go back to first Thessalonians, his tone was more joyful and warm. Okay. I encourage you to go back and look, look at the contrast in first and second Thessalonians. Now here, Paul is having to be more forceful. Now it's the opposite of first and second Corinthians. Okay. And second Corinthians, he was a lot more warm in responding and saying, man, he, re not that he regretted that, you know, but he didn't feel, you know, very comfortable in having to do that. And, and, and still the case is the same here with Paul, but he's having to be more forceful to warn them based on the defiance that was spreading among the people and the amount of people that were taking advantage of honorable people. It's like my own life. And I look through my own life and I see many of my generous family members who were taking advantage of, you know, they were just doing a good, but a lot of times they never confronted the dishonesty from another individual uh, because they're just too kind hearted or they're too timid. That's not the problem with Paul, but nonetheless, um, you know, he's having to come here to warn them and not really liking what's happening. But if he really loves people, just like a father who really loves their child, their children, that father will discipline their children, no matter how difficult that might be, because that is the greater good. So the problem here is there's defiance. There are people who are uh, taking advantage of other honorable, God-fearing people. And so Paul's saying, hey, you got to keep away from any brother who's working in idleness. Now, that is not a total withdrawal. Okay, if you notice the language here, and this is debatable within different commentaries, but the way I render this, when I look at it in the Greek, keep away from any brother, it's not a total withdrawal at this point, but it is a withholding of fellowship. So the first thing that needs to go is having regular fellowship, meaning communing with this person um, because of their defiance, because they're walking in idleness. Now, Grant Osborne says this, quote, discipline in the church family must be loving, 
with a purpose not to punish, but to redeem and bring about repentance. Okay, so that is what it's about. This, is, this isn't to scorn. This isn't to rebuke because you hate this person. When you keep away from a brother, that is a form of discipline. And the reason you're doing that is because one, so you don't become defiled, that this doesn't continue to spread like gangrene or cancer, that it's addressed and dealt with, but that let's say the person's unrepentant. Well, you're hoping that that through your actions of keeping away from them, saying this is a consequence to your actions, that they hopefully will be redeemed. Now, that's not our job to get them to repent. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Again, there's debate over the term idleness now, and that's the Greek word atekatos, and it has two meanings. One, it does carry uh, an, the idea of a lazy or disengaged or or uh, somebody who is not actively participating, but it also has a, a meaning behind it of rebellion, okay? Now, the text tends to convey that Paul applied both of these meanings. It's both and. These are people who are walking in idleness who are not just lazy and disengaged and, and inactive, but they're also rebellious because isn't that what happens? If you have a teen or a young adult living at home and they're lazy, you will have rebellion associated with it. And what happens with you? You're not only discouraged, you're frustrated, you're flustered, and you get into a lot of arguments with this person. And that's what happens with people who are walking in idleness. Now, in one sense, Paul urges the Thessalonians to discipline those who are lazy, as well as dealing with those who are unwilling to listen to the established faith and teachings among them. You know, this is where I get into encounters with a lot of people who force their teen to go to church and they don't want to go. If they're walking in idleness and there's a rebellion there, you forcing them to do something is, is not, if they're having a hard time submitting in general, when you force somebody against their will, right? I mean, you can't even do that in your, in your marriage if there's problems. I force you to respect me. I force you to love me. It doesn't work that way. If they refuse to listen and obey, then they are to be removed from the fellowship, okay? The New King James Version, New Spirit-filled Life Bible says this, the term disorderly in verse six, seven, and 11 originally described one conspicuously out of step in marching military column. Isn't that a great picture of who this idle person is? It's somebody who is disorderly. It's someone who is not in step with marching with the military. So they're not just in sync, okay? But they are breaking rank in a marching military column. The refusal to work may have arisen from the conviction of some, uh, remember within uh, Thessalonica, that the day of the Lord was about to occur. So there there probably was some within the, the idleness who abandoned responsibility because they thought that Christ was gonna return at any given time but again, you can see how an abuse of, of doctrine can lead people to uh, horrible living, right? Now, it's also important to point out that if you go back to the first letter in verses 11 through 12 in chapter 4, and also in 1 Thessalonians 4, 4 uh, excuse me, chapter 5, verse 14, it, it, it does seem that um, things had worsened. So if you go back to the first letter in chapters four and, and five to now what's being addressed in, in chapter three of second Thessalonians, it does seem that the idlers in the church community have worsened. And, and, and hence what I said earlier, 
you know, is understandable then with the tone that Paul is bringing because it's causing major burden on others to provide for the various different needs in verse 12. Now, some scholars, on the other hand, they interpret uh, this term idol, atatakos uh, in Greek, to mean a group of Thessalonians who falsely were teaching things that oppose the day of the Lord. Um, I think that's a likely scenario as well. Um, so not only are you getting idlers who are taking advantage, you know, scamming and scheming people, becoming a burden, taking advantage of people's hospitality, uh, whether it's because of poor doctrine, understanding, but just, again, just being lazy. Eventually, those kind of people are going to be spouting things that are not true. They're going to be making lies. In this case, not only about, you know, Brother Sue that they're 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 gossiping about, but then also, you know, you know, pushing back on certain doctrine that in this case, Paul, the apostle is teaching and questioning that authority. Because again, if they're not, if they're disorderly, they're not in step, you know, with the military, so to speak. Right. So they're not in step with the Holy spirit. They're not in step with church community. They're not in step with church authority. That's bound to happen that they are going to be undermining certain doctrines. So that's why he says traditions that you receive from us, the Thessalonians were taught by Paul that the gospel, um, you know, was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and that it received, and they all received it, right, in a manner worthy of the Lord. And Paul and Timothy, they were consistent in how they lived out the gospel. They were great examples. That's why he says in verse seven here, for you yourselves know how, we, how you ought to imitate us. Why? He says, because we were not idle, meaning we were not disorderly, Okay. We were not walking out of step, okay? We were not, if you will, out of bounds. We were not disqualified. And this is important, my friends, because when we, when we see people who are being disorderly, immediately what we have to consider is who, are, who is orderly. Does that make sense? Because when you, when you consider this generation now, the young people especially, when you just see chaos, when you see people who are living disorderly, you don't, know then the standard you lose sight of that you don't know who to imitate what i was doing an interview recently on a radio show and then they said because i had worked on the project with uh arizona christian university with george barna and the chapter that i was assigned was dealing with a spiritual disillusionment of millennials so these are people now in their 30s and 40s and they said you know when you're doing the research that anything surprise you and i said you know not really because i've been working with millennials since the late 90s but i guess one thing that still surprised me you know but but in a way that you know was really you know heartfelt you know that i had for the generation as a father kind of like how paul is with the thessalonians here was how very little examples the millennials have had and i'm not saying that's all you know the the fault of of my generation and those before me because a lot of it's the fault of the millennials as well. You know, so there's equal blame that does go around, but that doesn't get us anywhere. The reality is, as I, as I see Paul saying this, imitate us. You know, we were not idle among you. We were orderly, okay? So that's the measure in which you are to conduct yourself um, in a manner worthy of the gospel. And, I'm, and, and what's sad, though, is that a lot of young people have never had that. They've never really seen consistent living of, of the Christian faith that is reasonable, uh, hospitable uh, and not hypocritical, right? And so when Paul uses himself and his colleagues as, as an example of how to live and to work, that's one thing I always tell my my children. 
Your work ethic says a lot about your character, okay? So it's not just going on a mission trip. It's how you work at Chick-fil-A. It's how you work at a bakery. It's how you work at the bank. It's how you steward your money. It's how you care for those who are your colleagues, those who are over you, and those who are under you. You know, in the first letter, remember Paul reminded the church that they are to work hard, that they're not to take advantage of anyone. He said that in verses 9 through 12 in chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day, that we not that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses in God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. Okay? So that's an example that Paul set forth. So now he, he progresses here in verse 8. He says, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. So then he starts giving specifics. Now, to avoid being a financial burden, what did Paul do? He worked to provide for his daily needs. And so the main point that Paul is making is don't use and abuse others. Now, I would say I run a nonprofit. So most of the funding that we have to do the ministerial work that God has called us to do in proclaiming the gospel and helping reinforce biblical truth in the culture and helping Christians just like you to stand strong in the faith. As we produce this podcast, we produce challenging conversations. We travel around uh, the United States of America. We work with other organizations like Focus on the Family and Summit Ministries and write books and do interviews and put out uh, video content and articles. Why do we do that? We do that because we want to advance the kingdom of the Lord. We serve him, but we couldn't do that without the generous giving of others, but we don't use and abuse people. We are all in this together. We are all to work hard uh, for the Lord and not be a burden. The word burden here means to expect and demand financial support to the point of being a burden. And, 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 and please pray for me, you guys. And, and for those who do pray and give to this ministry, thank you. I mean, I, I, I can't thank you enough. If I, if I could see each one of you guys, and we have thousands of listeners, but if I, can, if, if I were to able to see each one of you guys, I would hug you and thank you in the love of Jesus and the fellowship that we have in the spirit to say thank you for your generous giving. You don't want to expect and demand things from people. People are not objects. They're children of God. And if God has given us a position of authority, we are to use that authority to serve others. That's what true leadership is, is to serve others. And so there is not a day that goes by that my wife, myself, and my team are not grateful and, and realize that this is of the Lord. But yet there are people who are not working hard, but are burdened. They are a burden to people. The Bible's clear that we are to support people who are called to ministry. We see that in 1 Corinthians 9. We see that in 1 Timothy 5.18. So, you know, you are to set aside to provide for your family. You are to give to your local church. You're to be under uh, local authority of elders. You're anointed and called by God as I am. Um, on top of that, you know, if there are other ministry activities that you um, have a, a heart for, then support that ministry. Give to that ministry. You know, the Bible Knowledge Commentary says, Paul did not imply that, you know, this right should always be sacrificed. He taught elsewhere that it is legitimate that those who are taught should support their teachers. So again, if you guys are 
benefiting spiritually, mentally, uh, relationally uh, from ministries like Stand Strong in the Word, yes, we are to support that work. And, and your support will look different than someone else's support. That's between you and the Lord. So the point here was that Christians generally should not expect other people to take care of them, but should support themselves as much as possible. He says in verse 10, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone's not willing to work, let him not eat. So now this is, this is why a lot of commentaries think that the idleness has more to do with laziness because of how Paul is dealing with these things. You know, he, he turns from discussing, you know, his example to dealing now with these idle people. Now, what's important here is that while Christians are called to help those in need, we have to make sure that we're not being foolish in how we go about helping others. Because here, what Paul's doing here is he's correcting the church because he wants to make sure that they are properly within their charity, right? That it's not going to waste, that people are not taking advantage of it that people were not using it against them. Now, it's, it is likely that idlers were taking advantage of the, of the uh, commune meals. So in that culture at that time, yes, there was day-to-day operations that were providing for people's daily needs. Back then, unlike now, we can store up for weeks, if not months. But in that day and age, it was a daily meal. It was, it was, it was daily purchasing to survive that day. And so there's no doubt that there are people who are in need and the church is there to help meet those needs. But we got to be careful because notice he says in verse 11, for we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now he uses the word from idleness to now busy bodies who are meddlers. So not only can people be a financial burden and they demand and expect something in return because they're selfish and they only care about their needs, but you start getting people who are meddlers. And that's what I was saying earlier. Church freeloaders are people who take advantage, who scheme and scam and become a burden. And they're also meddling in other people's business. Now, Paul and his companions, they were hearing of these reports. They were hearing how idlers were becoming a major problem in the church. That they were busy bodies. These are people, you guys, who force themselves into personal affairs, okay? And they fool around, all right? They take advantage of people's susceptibility, naivety. They plant deception. They are gossipers. They're busybodies. They're meddlers. They meddle in other people's personal affairs. And the Bible says here that we are not to put up with that. So if you have that in your home, if you have that with certain family members, you need to put an end to that. Those are meddlers. And then when you confront them to their face and they lie about it and they don't address it, then guess what? They're lying. They're manipulators. How can you trust? Remember, relationships built on trust. So if you can't trust someone because they're not telling the truth and they don't love you enough to speak the truth, and only lie to you, that's not a relationship. End of discussion. I'm not saying you hate the person. I'm not saying you disown the person. I'm saying that you put a barrier. You put space between you and that person. Because notice he says in verse 12, and, and we're going to stop after this, 
He says, now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. So this is a rebuke. He gave a command that was in the Lord and now he's encouraging with this command in the Lord again. Now Paul's tone, again, as you notice, it gets even sterner from his first letter to what we saw here in verse six to now in verse 12. Remember, if you go back to 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, he used the word urge. We urge you, brothers. Notice, admonish the idol. Don't let them get away with it. And as you do that, encourage the faint-hearted. So make sure that you're a support to those who be who have been uh, troubled by these meddlers or these idlers. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. So as I'm to be patient with a meddler with an idler, we have to show that same patient in patience to other people. It's easy to be patient, right? And give attention to people who are not a problem. But he says, be patient with them all. That doesn't mean keep letting them get away with it because he just said, admonish them, okay? And in the process, encourage the faint hearted, meaning you're paying attention to what meddlers and idlers are doing and how they're hurting other people and make sure that you're being a ministry to them. The idlers must, um, you know, have gotten worse at this point. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't have been addressing it and directing the church to take necessary steps or disciplinary actions to resolve the problems. And this whole idea of working quietly and earn your own living, that's the point. You know, you need to work with quietude and not be disorderly. And that's another thing, you guys, when you look at people's lives, and, that, and that's the thing that I found in my life, I could speak frankly here, that I've, I've noticed, and this is, this is, it's like almost like tried and true. You know, people who have a lot of time on their hands tend to be more meddlers because they're idlers. They, they're, they're not doing much. And so they have a lot of time to, uh, speak into other people's lives without permission. And life centers and evolves around them. And that, to me, uh, is a waste of a life living. And that's a precious life in the eyes of the Lord. And the Bible says we're to be patient with them all. Um, and that sometimes is hard to do. But when you do admonish an idler, uh, when you do confront some of these busybodies, okay, remember, don't put up with it. Don't let them take advantage of you because these are the kind of people, if you give them an inch, they'll go a mile. You know, we are to be gracious, but we are to be firm. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's giving these commands. He's letting them know that it's not appropriate for anyone who's not willing to work to let them eat. And that's teaching people responsibility. So my friends, if you are looking at your life right now and you see certain freeloaders in your life, uh, you're gonna have to take a hard look at why you've allowed that to go on for so long. You know, there comes a point when you see the idle, the idleness and the meddling that comes out of these people and you can see the damage that they cause as a result of it. But the question that I have for you as I close is why have you allowed it in your own life? Why haven't you put an end to it? You know, there are people, there's no question that you do love but if you're being honest and you've noticed as you've gotten older and the meddling continues, the idleness is still there and 
they never take responsibility of their actions. That love wanes. The patience wears out. And instead of letting it get to that point to where you start becoming hateful and because of the frustration and the hurt, you have to make sure that you have proper boundaries that you're putting in place. And so if you are a leader and you're seeing that in your church, you have to deal with it. Because the Bible says that we might not be a burden. Remember when Paul says we not, might be a burden to you, but there are other people who are not being an example like Paul was who are being a burden and they're causing a lot of discouragement and a lot of people are faint-hearted as a result of it. And so we cannot let these idlers and these meddlers have more control in the church and to get away with it. So I hope that helps you guys when you are... Uh, examining your own life and looking at some of these freeloaders and really deal with why are you allowing them to get away with the stuff in your life? What can you start doing based on this passage of scripture today in Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 12, that you can trust the Lord and apply in obedience his word so that these lazy, disengaged, and rebellious people would no longer uh, cause the quarreling and the burdens in your life because you're saying enough is enough. All right, so I do pray that over you guys and I appreciate your steadfastness and you guys listening. Hey, before I get out of here, I just want to encourage you guys, if this ministry, this podcast is a blessing to you, wherever you guys get your podcast, whether it's on SoundCloud or Apple or Spotify or Amazon Music, will you do me a favor and leave us a review? Let people know how this is impacting you and always... Okay, I want you guys to know this. Always know that we're praying for you and would love to pray specifically over anything that you have right now in your life that you say, man, I just want Jason to know that this is a, a blessing to me that you know, I got uh, some recent um, uh, people letting me know that they listen to uh, the podcast as a family. I mean, what a blessing that is. Um, I do want you guys to know that right now on our website, we redid the website. We're having... Um, some some issues uploading a lot of these notes right now because there's a lot of notes. So in the past, on our old website, you're able to retrieve uh, the notes uh, that I put up from the Gospels uh, to uh, Galatians. You know, and so I just want you guys to know we, we're aware of that. So we do apologize. We're hoping that we can get those up there, and and we're trying to figure out a new format of how we're going to do that. So it's taking us a little bit longer. Um, than expected. So I appreciate your prayers on that. But also, if you do have a prayer request or you have a question, again, I always tell you guys, if it's philosophical, theological, apologetic, an ethical question, make sure that you guys, when you go to the website at standstrongministries.org, that you can click contact us and you can submit a question. And I will do my best to email you guys back with a biblical response. So I pray that this podcast has been a blessing to you guys. And remember, you guys can go to our website and you can give to support this ongoing work because without your support, we couldn't be doing what we're doing. So I want to thank you guys in advance. And until next time, keep standing strong, my friends.